everyone, and welcome to another episode of Freight to the Point. I am your host today, Alex Hirschman, CEO and co-founder of Zen Cargo. January 2023 is very different to January 2022. This time last year, it was all about getting inventory in as quickly as possible. Supply chain blockages. January 2023, however, after probably two quarters now destocking. A completely different world that we live in.、Uh, potential recession, shallow or deep recession. We'll speak about that more. The world looks completely different. Supply chains look completely different, and that's why I'm so glad to be joined today by two guests to discuss a broad range of topics. We have Richard Lim, who's the Chief Executive Officer at Retail Economics. Many of you would have seen his great posts and content on LinkedIn, which I follow avidly. And we have Chantal McRoberts, who's joining us again. Um, and just as a reminder, she's the head of advisory at Drury Shipping Consultants. We're going to be speaking about the economy. We're going to be speaking about flows. We're going to be speaking about destocking, and we're going to be speaking about the impact that's going to have on container freight rates and obviously the subsequent feed that that has to the economy. Richard and Chantal, welcome to you both. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Alec. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Ah, pleasure. Thank you so much for coming, Richard. I'm going to start straight with you. What's caused this sort of state of the world that we're in, specifically through the lens of sort of the the, the retail economics, and how are you seeing this impact day to day consumer activity? Yeah, no, thanks, thanks, Alex. And I think in your introduction, you've you've hit on something really, really important, which is that this time last year, the state of the economy and people's expectations and business expectations were hugely different. And actually, if we wind back to this time last year. It was interesting to note that the Bank of England commentary within their monetary policy report in the February one mentioned nothing about recession. It thought that inflation would peak at about seven percent compared to eleven point one percent where it where it where it peaked a couple of months ago. And so, throughout the last twelve months, we've seen quite a rapid deterioration of the economy prospects of the economy for a number of different reasons. I think one of the main reasons is that we're well. One of the main reasons is because of the Ukraine-Russia conflict, and that's been a shock to global commodity markets. That's had an impact on consumer confidence, on business confidence. It's put distress across a lot, a lot of different parts of the market, and we're also seeing a hangover from the impacts of the pandemic as well. So, businesses are still experiencing supply chain difficulties, albeit. Of course, they're they're a lot better than where they were this time last year, and I'm sure we're we're digging into a bit more detail there. But also in terms of monetary policy and the stimulus that the government used to make sure that the impact of the pandemic didn't have really significant scars throughout the economy, all of this monetary policy stimulus is now beginning to normalise, and that's and that's having an impact、um, an impact on the economy as well. But overall, what we've seen is we've had a huge impact from the pandemic. We've gone into one crisis into another, which is the cost of living crisis. People's personal finances are under a huge amount of pressure, and what we've seen is that、uh, is, is that the prospects of the economy have really weakened. We're expecting to go into recession at the beginning of this year, which is likely to persist for the rest of the year. Consumer confidence has actually kind of remains near record low levels, deeper than they were、uh, during the depths of the pandemic, deeper than they were during the global financial crisis. So people are still worried, and the UK economy in particular, two thirds of the economy is based on consumer spending. A third of that goes to the retail sector. So, so we're really dependent on the strength of consumer confidence and consumer spending, and、uh, and, and there's really a challenging environment at the moment for the economy. 
I love that you started with sort of rewinding to the February Bank of England forecasts. And it's it, it sort of one of my favorite quotes is that the only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology look respectable. So, um, you know, I think we've definitely seen that over the past year. Quickly before I come to Chantal, though, Richard, in some of your posts on LinkedIn, you've been talking about how perhaps the year ahead isn't as bad as people are thinking it might be. And actually, there's some green shoots and some positive signs that we're seeing. Um, do you want to build on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I, I think we're in a different place to where we were at the end of last year. I think that's how I would characterize it. And so we had a period in the final quarter where uh, there was a lot of political instability and we had trust come in and quasin come in and there was uh, a, a, and the reaction to the mini budget was quite devastating across uh, financial markets, we saw devaluation of the pounds drop significantly, and so there was a there was a period of of significant instability. But I think we've seen a lot of that certainty return into the market. Sterling has recovered a lot of that lost ground uh, during that period. So I would say towards the end of last year, the prospects for a deeper recession and longer recession were probably more likely than we than where we are. Uh, today, so there are some there's there's some room for optimism, um, for sure, uh, and I'm sure and, and again I'm sure we get we we go onto this a bit later in the podcast, but I'm I'm a true believer that companies can make their own luck in the sense that they really need to seize the opportunity of the disruption that's going on and retailers and brands adapting well to the challenges that are thrown their way. But uh, but I, I'm more optimistic than I was at the end of probably November last year. I'd say I'm very optimistic this year. I know that might sound completely crazy, and I and I respect all the challenges that we're going through at an individual level, community level, and at an economic level. But when I look at this year, it really reminds me of past cycles where we started the year everything very negative, and then not that it normalised, but but we we learned to live with it, and the economy rebounded sooner. That fed directly through to container volumes. And, and Chantal, on our last conversation, we spoke a lot about destocking, restocking, how to play this year. What does it mean as a shipper? How do you act? How do you react? Richard's giving us a little bit of sort of cautious optimism moving into this year. Your conversation is about procurement and therefore about what do people think is going to happen this year, both on the shipping line side and on the BCO side. What are your clients saying? What are you advising them? And does it does it sort of align with what Richard is saying? So it's a very different situation to where we were last year. Obviously, everybody was just concerned about being able to get the space to move their cargo. Clearly, as it's happened in previous cycles, going into a global recession with a massive order book looming over our shoulders, it, it's perhaps more worrying if you're sat in a carrier's seat now than if you're sitting in a, a BCO seat, because clearly there's cost savings However, it's a double-edged sword, really, because there's the group of BCOs who are dependent on consumer spending, who are impacted by a falling economy or an unstable sort of GDP outlook, whereas we have the other BCOs who are maybe more resilient in this market, where it's a double opportunity for them. So, you know, food and beverages or pharmaceuticals and the things that people need and you know, if you're lucky enough, you don't need to pay for them. Um, thinking about pharmaceuticals and the NHS, they still need to move. So, you know, some, again, are impacted more than others. However, what we're seeing across most of our clients is 
they're totally shifting their focus now away from capacity and firefighting and they're looking to cost containment and service predictability and quality. So we had a situation where everybody cast the net really wide last year to try and get space. This year we're seeing people there sort of narrowing down their provider base trying to secure cost savings but alongside uh, service reliability because what we are seeing on the other end now is we thought the carriers would do this sort of managed capacity uh, strategy which would have made sense but they reverted to type so they're now just chasing market share so it's now about finding the balance of are they blanking sailings because they haven't got the demand to fill it or is it because of congestion we can see congestion is easing Um, It's not completely gone, particularly in some of the US West Coast ports. And obviously, we have other issues hitting in Europe, you know, labour strikes, and that has a knock on effect. So I think BCOs are really sort of looking at this as sort of the complete picture on ocean freight, and really trying to cherry pick their providers that will give them the lowest cost with the best service. So I would say, you know, last year we talked about shipper of choice. This year we're going to talk about carrier or provider of choice and how they tick your boxes. So these are the things that are changing. But in terms of relating back to previous cycles, we've come off such a different environment that I think people have just forgotten about them. (laughs) So we're seeing slightly different behaviours and some of it is coming off the back of slight resentment. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I think when, when I speak to CEOs, I get the consistent message of, Something along the lines of, we think we're back to decent inventory levels. Obviously, some people maybe are, are a quarter away from that. There's still discounting going on in the market, maybe because of their inventory levels or their ecosystem's inventory levels. And so we're cautious on Q1. And that always gets me quite interested because, okay, that means that you're going to, again, be cautious on Q1, not have a lot in. Your warehouse might get even a little bit you know, more normalized in terms of in terms of the inventory levels. But then what does it mean for Q2? What does it mean for Q3? Where's the risk here? Is the risk now that you enter Q2, Q3 as a retailer with too much inventory? Is the risk too little? How should we be thinking about it? Because this obviously comes back to the point around allocations, commitments, etc. What, what, what are businesses saying from that angle? So the ones that we're dealing with are continuing as normal. They're factoring the impact of Chinese New Year. I'd say their biggest concern actually is the the China zero COVID policy. We can see that starting to impact on the manufacturing side. Um, So I think there's a little bit of concern that disruption is coming again. And that will come even more to the fore sort of during Q2, towards the end of Q1, beginning of Q2. But a, a lot of our clients are not talking about, you know, completely destocking. I think that they're balanced, they're, they're more concerned now about reliability, moving the cargo where it needs to go, maybe thinking about newer markets or if the, if there's an opportunity or thinking about consolidation or thinking about you know where do I move where am I best to move my volume through from my import or export but also I think refocusing on strategic initiatives because they completely went out the window so going to say origin management again I think is going to come back <laughs> how do you use the best provider how do you select them how do you work together to provide a sort of harmonious supply chain as well and because all of that went out the window I think that's going to start to come back and I think those industries that aren't so impacted by consumer demand will focus greatly on those and the ones that are are going to 
sort of still be focusing on words disruption. What can I do to mitigate this? Uh, and, you know, what, what, where do I peak in the market? You know, if you're a toy manufacturer or retailer, you know, maybe January isn't your best month anyway. And you're going to start thinking about Q3. So does Q2 matter to them? And it goes back to a point about forecasting. <laughs> so again, that was something that we would definitely say people should look at um, during the course of this year, even in a oversupply market. I love that every time you come on the show or speak at one of our webinars, you're talking about origin management. And I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart, but it's also <laughs> near and dear to our heart. So it feels like paid well. promotion that we're doing on your side. But but I know I know this is genuine. No, no. And I think it's just um, because it's just been completely forgotten. And now we're seeing some of our clients who have sort of complex regional volumes really needing to focus on that to, to refine their supply chain and make it more efficient because they're getting the cost savings on the ocean freight side, they now need to look at the other ends, um, which is the right thing to do. 100%. And Richard, the question that I was asking is, when I'm speaking to CEOs, it's cautious for Q1, and then not really sure where Q2 and Q3 are going to head. And I'm wondering whether that leads to them having too little inventory. How do you see things? What, what sort of are you hearing when you're speaking to CEOs up and down the country? Um, I think what we're seeing is actually quite a mixed picture. And I think that there's going to be parts of the market that will be quite defensible. I think Chantel pointed to this earlier, where we're, if you look at food and grocery, for example, we're seeing lots of behavioural change. We're seeing people trading down to the discounters. We're seeing people sh shifting their spend to private label. And, and those kinds of behaviours, we're even seeing people shifting more of their spending towards stores and, and, and away away from online in, 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 in some parts of the market. So we see these kinds of recessionary behaviours, at least, I, I think, at least for the first half of the year, continue to intensify from what we've seen over the last few months. And that involves things like trading down and delaying spending in some areas and, and shifting more of their spending towards um, physical environments. But I think we'll see some parts of the market that are relatively well protected. So the luxury end of the market, we expect to hold up relatively well. Ultimately, what we're expecting though is to see this kind of like squeezed middle. And there will be parts of the retail sector that will suffer from consumers cutting back more than other areas. And that's typically around more discretionary spending areas, typically around areas that are more susceptible to changes in, in, in people's incomes. Um, so it's kind of not 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 kind of a, a straightforward picture. So I think what you were saying there is we're seeing some trading down happening. We're seeing a movement back from online to, to offline in some circumstances. The middle, as always happens in recessions, get a little bit squeezed because luxury tends to hold up a little bit better. And so you, you have these sort of winners and losers dynamics, both within the sort of spectrum of the market, but then also within segments. Um, and I think we've seen that quite a bit this year. I want to sort of uh, move on to the last topic, which is around how do businesses stay agile in this environment? Richard, maybe starting with you, what sort of strategies are available to businesses for getting through this environment? The, the conversations that we're having with our clients at the moment is that, of course, from a consumer perspective, everything is around value. And so people are really focused on value and they are prioritizing value above other um, attributes in terms of where they, where, how they decide to make purchases. So they're trading off value uh, potentially for lower quality, they're trading off value for a lesser experience or value for a kind of more inconvenient experience. And so the key, in terms of like the strategies for retailers, the key things around getting across that message of 
lower costs and value for lots of parts of the market. And, uh, and really getting across that empathetic communication as well. Of course, the issue of that is investing in price and investing in price in an environment where operating costs are rising, input costs are rising, and profitability is being eroded. And actually, if you look at profitability, if you look at pre-tax profits for the retail sector over the last um, eight to 10 years, they've pretty much halved. They've gone from about eight and a half percent to about four percent over the last decade so there's a real squeeze on profitability and what that means is that retailers and businesses are taking a forensic view on their costs you know they're line by line looking at where they can reduce costs looking where they can improve operational efficiencies and looking at how they can um, build up cash reserves to try to weather the kind of the recession as effectively as possible so these are, I think these are the kind of the, if you like, the practical areas where we see lots of retailers dedicating a lot of their attention. But in other areas, I think just more intelligent use of data is, is, a, is a key area. Using AI, for example, to try to have dynamic pricing, to really try to segment customers in a really, really intelligent way. And using that as a, as, as a means to really drive a better communication and better engagement with their customers. Chantal, for you, in terms of thinking about the supply chain strategy to support this, what are some of your key insights for businesses to stay agile through their supply chain this year? I think that's a really important thing is being agile, but also being agile, but being prepared. So what we're saying to people is, you know, be cautious on your contractual commitments. Don't overcommit on your volumes or your allocations, particularly if you you do feel that you're going to be further impacted by any economic downturns benchmark your freight rates and take advantage of the costs when they're falling to help your businesses get through the recessionary period if you're one of those customers well one of our customers that is impacted more than say others consider more flexible shorter term contracts think about um, having review clauses in your contract particularly on the freight rates Think about going back to looking at your KPIs, look for operational security, consider shifting from air freight to ocean freight if if it's going to give you a cost saving. Again, you know, there is space out there to be able to do that. Uh, And then closely monitor the market trends and, and look for reversals because we talk about recession, but certain regions in the world will come out quicker or not be impacted as much. And all will just reverse. So, you know, we'll we'll get this situation where we start to see different things happening. And I know everybody looks at the US and the UK, but, you know, uh, ocean shipping's global. So that's what our, our clients need to do. So we're talking to them about this. We're talking to them about the importance of still maintaining a rolling forecast. Think about your provider mix. Clearly, last year, everybody was about direct carrier relationships. Personally, I think the forwarders are in a great position this year, that they're going to be key to helping support the carriers. So hopefully they'll be a bit more open to agreeing allocations with the forwarders. Think about where they can help you on your supply chain. A lot of them can give you some really valuable insight um, at origin and destination and on your ocean freight. And think about back-to-back agreements. Think about you know, making sure that your forwarders are maybe passing on any cost savings they get through the year. So I think there's lots that people can do to be agile. And I think it is learning from before and tracking the market, which is key to all of this. If you don't track the market and you don't know what it's doing, then you can't react or you can't plan to react. So, you know, I think that's really important. Well, thank you, Chantal. Thank you, Richard, for um, a really riveting episode of Freight to the Point. Thank you all very much at home for listening or at work, I should say. Um, For listening, please remember to like and subscribe. 
I hope to see you all soon. I know Rich and Chantal will be having more events soon together to talk about the state of the world, the state of supply chain, the state of the economy. But thank you both very much. And thank you to all the listeners at home. Have a good one.